0: Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi,
1: I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
2: It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell.
1: Four races, three winners.
0: Big weekend this weekend, I mean, four races and they started off well. Yeah, it was a pretty good race out front, tried to cruise and go fast. I hate the leading Saturday night and then someone takes it back off your Sunday. The
1: centre of gravity is raised and a legend of Australian motorsport passes on. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Jason Bright won the first Anzac Day V eight supercar race on Friday at Puka It's been a it's been a cracker of a day
3: because, you know, with very limited track time it felt pretty wild in qualifying. Um, I'm sure everyone was sort of struggling with their cars. I mean this is such a different track. It's so bumpy and such high speed with little runoff. So, you know, we saw a couple of guys making mistakes. It's been a pretty challenging day. Um, you know, I was very happy to get pole. You know, it's where we qualified for the last race last year. But, you know, it certainly didn't feel like a pole car. Um, and uh, and the second run in qualifying, you know, no one no one really improved. So, uh, you know, it was pretty pretty different qualifying session. You know, I would have thought that everyone would have improved as that session went on, given the limited practice time that we had. Um, and then we had
1: a great car for the race. The schedule, which saw one practice qualifying and race on the same day, was not liked by all the drivers. All the teams for that matter, Scott McLaughlin telling the V8 insiders that he'd not like to see it again. It's
4: pretty ridiculous. You can't really try anything. It's hard. I mean, it's good for the fans. It's more track time. But at the end of the day, it's, um, it's tough and, 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 and kind of dangerous sometimes because you need a chance to sort of sort your stuff out and good practice and that. But when you come out and do the show, Australian qualifying, no one's really found the limit. And that's when you see crashes happen.
1: You can hear more from McLaughlin on this week's Y-Flag Lap. Saturday saw wins to Mark Winterbottom in the early race and Shane Van Gisbergen ending the day on a high.
0: Pretty good race out front. Tried to cruise and go fast, but uh, the last 10, 11 laps, I think when Frosty was coming, his he was driving real well. His car was so fast for the end of the stint and I was hanging on, but um, yeah, a few more laps he probably would have had me.
1: The Giz, though, was handed out a points penalty for his contact with Jason Bright in race 11. Mark Winterbottom racked up the weekend with victory in the 200-kilometre feature race on Sunday. The win saw him secure the Jason Richards Memorial Trophy.
0: You know he was an amazing guy, and uh, you know to win it is, is very special. So, yeah, I wanted to lead. You know, leaving Sunday, I hate the you're leading Saturday night and then someone takes it back off your Sunday because that that uh, we now got two weeks to sort of enjoy it, where you only had one night had um, you know, to enjoy it. So it's awesome to come away with the lead and. You know, Triple Eight are having a, a rough run, which um, yeah, which is surprising because uh, um, yeah, obviously Van Gisbergen in the same car. There might be, although they're customer cars, they may be a little bit different. But um, he's actually going quite well, so uh, it's interesting. But yeah, rap that they had a bad weekend, and normally we don't capitalize on it when they have a bad one. They've had two, and we've outscored everyone both times. So um, yeah, we're getting it right at the right time, and hopefully we maintain it and. It's good, obviously, Chaz and Dave as well. Um, we've got more cars as a team up there, and the more we have up there, the more we take points off them and everyone else. So uh, it's all working quite well.
1: Winterbottom now leads the championship. In a refreshing turn of events, he said that he's happy to be the series leader.
0: That sounds good. I'm happy with that. So as long as we can keep it, but it uh, sounds good. Dick Johnson Racing are
1: working hard on a brand new chassis for David Wall, who was involved in the Anzac Day crash with Chaz Mostard. The car will be ready for Walter to boo at Barbagello. Also at Barbagello, the teams will see new centre of gravity rules in place, the changes coming in from engine designs to meet the new gen rules that have been able to reduce their weight and add ballast to the engine to meet the minimum engine weight ruling, whereas some of the older teams haven't had that luxury. The rule now requires teams to have no less than 750 kilograms minimum front axle weight. Harry Firth has passed away on Saturday at age 96. Firth, who, with Bob Jane, went on to win the Armstrong 500 at Phillip Island in 1961 and 62. And when the event was moved to Mount Panorama, which is now the 1000, he took victories in 1963 and 67. Firth won the inaugural Australian Rally Championship in a Cortina in 1968 and as a team manager with the Holden dealer team from 1969 he oversaw the formation of the Peter Brock and of course Colin successes and built the foundations for the dominant force in Australian touring car racing. In 1977 he became a CAMS national chief scrutineer before walking away from motorsport altogether. Our thoughts and sympathies go out to all his friends and family. V8 Supercars have announced Castrol will be the major sponsor of the Townsville event. This year we'll see the format moving from a 400km to a 500km weekend. They've also announced that the team's championship will be supported by Castrol Edge, as Castrol are now the official oil partner of V8 Supercars. And finally, Veradex Magazine is out now looking at HRT's 25 years and how, under its new look management and engineering structure, it's leading HRT back to the top. Also, exclusive columns from Mark Winterbottom, Mark Larkham, Gary Rogers. Winterbottom talks about the importance of a race engineer, whilst Rogers looks at the rise of Volvo Polestar Racing, and Larkham on the future sound of V8 supercars. It's on sale now at all news agents, and for a digital download, you can get it at v8x.com.au. And that's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C.com.au. After the break, Stefan Bartholomew and Eric Thompson joins us on the Wi-Fi Glap, of course. It's Scott McLaughlin.
2: News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder
0: Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
1: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Speed Cafe, it's Stefan Bartholomeus. How are you going, Stefan?
3: G'day, Craig. Not too bad. Picked up a bit of a uh, virus over there from New Zealand, so sorry if I sound a bit snuffly, but uh, plenty to talk about regardless.
1: Yes, there definitely is. And joining us for the first time from the New Zealand Herald is Eric Thompson. Yeah, hi, guys. How are you? <laughs> I must admit, if I
5: didn't think I'd be chatting to you <laughs> quite so quickly again, and you do sound a bit different.
3: Oh, I think it was all that trapezy around in the rain on the Thursday that did me, but anyway... <laughs>
5: Hey, mate, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday, beautiful weather.
1: <laughs> and that's the thing, great weather, fantastic crowds, but this Anzac Day racing, Eric, uh, not knowing what New Zealand and Anzac Day celebrated and, and respected over there, does racing on Anzac Day carry a lot of significance?
5: Yeah, it sort of did, and I'm glad even, I just noticed in the timbre of your voice a little bit, Even you, it was a little bit of a, a gamble, uh, maybe it's too strong a word, a bit of a punt, really, for AT the Auckland Tourism, Economic um, and Entertainment Development Group, in conjunction with V8 Supercars, to actually put a race on Anzac Day, because there is that sort of, you know, celebrating all those old codgers that, you know, went and stepped up to the plate for their country and all that sort of stuff to think, well, do you really want V8 Supercars to be racing on that day? But I think it worked because a lot of people you know, went to the Dawn Parades and Dawn Services and, and, you know, it was celebrated at the track. And then I think it was quite neat to actually just see the Kiwis and the Aussies and the suite of course, we can't forget Robert, um, sort of in the mix there, um, Delgren, that is, sort of getting involved. And I, and I think the crowds rocked up because it made quite an interesting change to actually be able to go out and do something and see something and see the Kiwis and Aussies going for it hammer and tongs. So I think it was quite a good, it it panned out quite well, especially for the crowd on Friday. I was pleasantly surprised, it has to be said.
1: Stefan, what about for you? Yeah, well, I haven't quite had a chance
3: to look through TV ratings and the like, which are pretty vital. But um, overall, I mean, it was just a great weekend, whether it was Anzac Day or not. The current um, interest in their supercars in New Zealand, obviously having three mega star drivers at the moment, is helping. Um, made it very good. Coe is a very exciting track and a, just a mint place to watch those cars, um, especially the TV footage is pretty spectacular. From the part of the world I'm from, Anzac Bay Sport means Essendon Collingwood not uh, motor racing so I'm not sure obviously the feature sort of entertainment for the day on Channel 7 during the afternoon was that AFL match so whether it's something that uh, we want to do every year I'm not sure but uh, it was certainly a uh, great weekend and only enhanced further by that Anzac Day element
1: on Friday. Certainly in Australian rules football circles, it's been, uh, with three games, one, of course, played in New Zealand in Wellington on the uh, Saturday evening in Australian night in New Zealand, everyone's saying, no, that's too much. And I'm, I'm wondering if it wasn't for the fact that it was a Friday and knowing that next year it'll be a Saturday and Sunday, Eric, If we had a Tuesday Anzac Day race, would it really be a significant event for the motor racing fraternity, or would it just be impinging on what should be a uh, time of reflection?
5: I think I I, I would tend to agree, well, actually probably quite strongly agree with you there. I think it was on a Tuesday, Wednesday or a Thursday, and it wasn't part of a, a sort of a long weekend. I don't think it would work at all, no. I don't think people would sort of rock out on a Tuesday. I think because it was wrapped up in a sort of a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sort of boom, boom, boom scenario, it works well. I can't see the categories sort of contemplating doing it sort of midweek or earlier in the week. And I think it'll be another four or five years before it actually rolls around, you know, until the planets are aligned and everything's perfectly um, calendar-wise for it to happen again. And, uh, you know, Stefan was right, you've got to see the TV numbers, but for us in New Zealand, nothing really happens on an Anzac Friday. Mm. other than remembrance, I think it was quite a good thing and nothing else clashed with it. But it's also having it back on the doorstep of um, Auckland, you know, the largest city in New Zealand, you know, the biggest population base. It's only sort of 45, maybe 50 minutes until you get to the pukeko roundabout and then it sort of took a little bit longer if you didn't make an early trip down there. Mm. But um, nobody really complained, but no, mate, I can't see it sort of a Tuesday or Wednesday. And also I think that would, might be that sort of, pardon the pun, but a bit of a bridge too far if you start... Sort of popping a race in the middle of a week.
1: Mm. One of the other features, Stefan, was of course the race format. And uh, as people heard in the news, uh, uh, Scott McLaughlin said he actually thinks that format's dangerous because you just don't have any time to check the cars out before you go straight into a high-speed qualifying and then, of course, a race.
3: Well, it's certainly a lot of a lot of work for the teams in that Friday is probably something that wouldn't be repeated all that soon. That was fairly unique with the way the schedule had to roll out for both respecting the uh, the laws over there at NZ about um, competing in sports on ANZAC Day and also Australian TV considerations. So that aside, most of the weekend was the Super Sprint format that we see at uh, quite a few events this year, which kind of give a bit of a mix of those flat-out 100k sprints and uh, give something to those who like a few pit stops and a bit of strategy as well on the Sunday. So, um, yeah, obviously Friday's format got most of the attention, but um, I don't see that being repeated uh, too often in the future.
1: Eric, uh, with all the New Zealanders that are out there in front of the championship, that had to have helped getting people out to the racetrack, knowing that there was three genuine chances of a race win. It was
5: that it was quite funny because I was actually dead chuffed because, it, you know, the paper wanted to say, well, come on, Eric, put, you know, put everything on the line, stand up, don't sit on the fence, uh, pick five drivers that you think that, you know, will possibly win the round. And with hand on heart and hand in the air and a, a whole stack of Bibles, I was quite happy to put three New Zealanders in there. In the past, you're sort of going, mm, God, you probably have to pick a bloody New Zealander because it's a New Zealand guys But these guys are genuine. I wouldn't. Quite say contenders for a championship overall just yet. Sort of early days. You got a couple of people sort of thundering around, quite close at the top. But to have the three of them inside the top ten, you know, Scotty managed to get him. Paul, <coughs> McLaughlin managed to haul himself back inside the top ten. I'm still surprised how Fabian managed. Fabian Coulthard managed to hang on into third, considering he had a weekend he'd quite like to completely forget bit like the Red Bull guys, really, I suppose. And um, Shane came good. So they are genuinely in with the hunt. But, you know, it's a long old championship as well, as you guys well
1: know. Yeah, it must have been tough all those years having to pick a New Zealand driver to win at Pukekohe oh, when Greg my. Murphy was out there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stefan,
1: uh, what, what about yourself? Uh, what did you take from Bridie winning on Anzac Day and then, of course, it was really Mark Winterbottom, the gears. And, of course, with Scott McLaughlin's pole positions, um, really the big headlines. And I guess the other one, we'll talk about James Courtney in the next break, so we might not focus too much on that one.
3: Yeah, well, with so much um, racing, there's so many uh, storylines to, to talk about at the end of it. And certainly just, I guess, to build on from what we are talking about before, one thing I really do like about this format is that there is that JR trophy at the end of it, which, yes, has sentimental value, but it also gives a sort of... Full stop on the end of the weekend. Where if there's four or five races and four or five qualifying sessions, you just um, you just get lost. Like when there's four different race winners, as there was last year um, at Pukekohe. Without that that overall winner, it kind of feels like it was just a whole bunch of crazy stuff that happened for no uh, specific reason. But anyway, um, yes, there was uh, being consistently up there in all the sessions is clearly the challenge, and um, it's not easy. We talk about team's trying to be consistent uh, week to week and track to track, but just doing it in each session on one weekend is hard enough. Um, and the class of the field in the end was Mark Winterbottom and FPR, but on the Friday, as you say, Jason Bright won the race, and Holden's were 1-5 to five through the first few laps at least. So um, it's very interesting to see how all the weekends play out these days.
1: Mm. What about you, Eric? I know you've followed this series extremely closely, even mm. though it is from afar.
3: Yeah, it's a, it it is
5: that thing about, and, and I completely agree with Stefan, It's just like I know that that sort of official line is we don't have a round winner, but I think when you've got four races and four different people sort of at the front or very near the front to actually f- to be able to say, okay, you were consistent enough, you were good enough to win and to walk away with the trophy and with the JR trophy. But it's quite an interesting thing that I've just, I do, just listening to Stephen, I've just realised that Mark Winterbottom is now the holder of the Peter Brock trophy the jason richards trophy and he was the last guy with his name on the mark porter trophy when the last race was held at hamilton so it's sort of a collection of some pretty interesting trophies mark's got at the moment but it is quite good that um yeah, it's a little bit annoying that kiwi couldn't get hold of it or brad jones racing with um Brightie with you know the fabian Coulthard thing but it's just one of those things but the format is quite exciting again i was a little bit the heart on the sleeve for the, the the poor teams that had to rock up to Pukekohe. I know that they had new cars there last year. Most of the guys had been around the place before, even either in Super Tours or in something else. The New Zealand well, poor man's equivalent of the V8 supercars had been around there, but that's quite a daunting thing to think. If we don't have this car out of the truck, almost in the sweet spot straight away, you're pretty much doomed. Like People like Fabian Coulthard, unfortunately, and a few others further down the field, just couldn't get it right. They tried things and they ended up going backwards. So I'm pretty sure, I mean, I, you guys will correct me, I can't imagine them doing that again in no. the rest of the
1: championship. Uh, I certainly don't think so either. But we need to take a break and we'll be back with more here on the V8 Insiders in just a few moments. Controversy
2: Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best riders and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out
0: now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Eric
1: Thompson from the New Zealand Herald, of course, uh, Driven is uh, another way you can get to find the motorsport editor there and also Stefan Bartholomeus from Speed Cafe and uh, guys, a couple of other things that we need to touch on out of uh, the weekend is uh, when the crowds are turning up in such great numbers, Eric isn't it time we had a uh, Australasian or a Pacific championship held at another track and I reckon someone who runs a track like Highland Park would have the ins on the uh, how to get them over there?
5: Well, that's really interesting. There's been a lot of chatter and yabber and all this sort of malarkey going on from drivers and some of the other media pundits. My personal opinion is we don't need another one. I think it would dilute it. We don't have the fan base. Um, The Highland Park track is work in progress. And at the moment, New Zealand only has one official circuit, and that's Pukakui, that has a Grade Two licence for you guys to actually race your category on. Highland Park only had a – when the GTs were out here, um, when Tony Quinn organized the GTs to come out here, that was a one-off event weekend that he was allowed to run um, that category out here. So we've only got one circuit with the championships. And sometimes I think in a lot of sports, not just motorsport, things tend to get diluted a bit. You know, it was a great event. There's 128,000 people rocked up to Pukekohe. <clears throat> if you're a keen – I mean, a lot of folks just – a lot of Kiwis travel across the ditch – to go and watch various rounds in Australia and a bit of adventure. So, you know, just to come up the island is really great. I personally don't think it would be a very good idea. I think it would muddy the waters quite a bit. I know that the the drivers, the Kiwi drivers would love, absolutely love to have two or three events here because these guys don't get a chance to actually race in front of their home home crowds, you know, in an international category. I mean, of course, we've got our own championships here, but for these guys that are racing around the world uh, for New Zealand they'd love to come back and race. But I, I just don't think it's a really good idea. It's a successful formula now. It's worked for two years. It's almost like if it ain't broke, leave it alone.
1: Well, Stefan, what about uh, your Australian view on that?
3: Well, yeah, I, I tend to agree that, um, of course, when a driver is asked, when a New Zealand driver is asked by um, a journalist whether they would like a second event over there, they're going to say yes every time. And there's going to be stories of that nature up here, um, especially in the local press. Every year based on that But um, whether a second event Is really um, what it needs I um, couldn't really say But I think it works pretty well The way it is at the moment mm.
1: Well what about uh, reports About a, a team coming out of New Zealand Stefan I know you're running the story At the moment And uh, I believe Paul Radisic Was certainly briefing media over there That uh, there are moves afoot To try and get a, a Kiwi Holy and solely Kiwi team Into the v Supercars
3: Yeah, there was certainly um, a bit of interest in that across the weekend uh, spurred on by a big black helicopter with super black um, representatives uh, flying in and out. But, um, yeah, not a lot of details. I don't know where Eric's got on it, but uh, from my side, not a lot of details at the moment, but um, certainly something that uh, the idea of is uh, raising eyebrows and everyone remembers the various trials and tribulations of Team Kiwi over the years. Um, There's a few wrecks obviously floating around that the board hasn't made a determination on what they're going to do in terms of the tender process. Um, So if ever there's going to be sort of ideas of teams coming out of the woodwork, it's going to be now, whether it's... uh, sustainable and achievable we'll see but um, from what i understand there's some serious backing behind this one so we'll have to wait to see how it plays out in the next few weeks
1: eric uh, i guess the important thing there is how much money would it pull out of the domestic motorsport scene to be able to fund something like that properly
5: it's i think because we're in such a mess domestically and there's no other word for it and it hurts me to say this you know, on your most magnificent radio show. But the thing is, you can't, you know, it's the 600-ton gorilla sitting in the room. The dysfunctionality and the schism in V8 racing in New Zealand between the Super Tours and the NZ V8 National Championship thing. I just think a lot of sponsors and people with a bit of money in their, their pocket who think motorsport is where they want to invest and, the, and it's their passion and they think it's a great vehicle for their brand and product. Is they're just going, what the hell, mate? we might as well just stick it somewhere where, you know, there's not, <laughs> Stefan will probably laugh at me, here. not too many egos involved, but there's always <laughs> egos in motorsport. But, and part of that is, plus, the V8 supercars has a, you know, you guys, your category has a global reach. I mean, I was looking at some um, figures and things, a 120 odd countries or something, it goes around and, huge viewership and audience. And a lot of these Kiwi entrepreneurs, actually a lot of their business is global now. It's not just in our backyard, which, you know, so you may as well advertise something that's filmed everywhere. And I think it'd be a really good idea, but I am a little bit hesitant with that huge baggage that TKR, Team Kiwi Racing thing sort of had and how that lurched and staggered and rumbled on. But you got Paul Radisic as the spokesperson for it when I spoke to him. Um, Stephen, he hasn't really said too much it's sort of like one of those weird things that sort of was a soft launch over the weekend they want to put it out there but he said he's not going to do an official announcement because they've, until they've got enough money for a sustainable event for at least, bare minimum, two years full-time racing um, There's no the drivers they're not even contemplating drivers yet they're trying to find a team to have a relationship with I would imagine, from what I can gather it'll be a Ford or a team that's running a Ford um, of course Some people are saying, oh, it would be great to be based in New Zealand. Well, that would be sheer lunacy and stupidity to try and run a V8 supercar team out of New Zealand. And any fan that thinks that's going to work isn't really worth their salt, so it'll be domiciled in Australia as it should be. I think if it's worked well, and I think with Paul Radisich, the guy's got a history, two-time World Touring Car Championship. He played in V8 supercars for a number of years. You know, he's a pretty organised guy. He runs a very successful business in New Zealand, and he has got some heavyweight backers behind him. There is money there. But I think they're just making sure all their ducks in a row and a robust architecture for the team before they actually say, right, this is what we're going to do. That's, the, that's what I can gather.
1: Yeah. Well, changing tacks a little bit, going into the round, uh, Stefan, James Courtney made some interesting comments about <laughs> Jamie Winkup, the five-time champion, had to uh, really cop one on the chin from the one-time champion.
3: Uh, just, just give us a quick overview. I do remember seeing a headline of some sort. Um, what, what was said.
1: Well, basically, Courtney said that um, that wing cup's be- very beatable, and uh, that you know hinted that, that perhaps that equipment was more his success story uh, than his driving.
3: Well, that's certainly um, the mentality that. Pretty much every driver in the field that's not Jamie Wincup would have to have to have. Um, if you uh, get beaten by someone continually, um, to keep your mental strength up, you've got to uh, you've got to believe it's equipment based in this in this game. But um, yeah, like it's no, it's nothing new um, for people to be saying that. Whether um, whether every other driver in the field could have done what Jamie's done over the last few years, given the same opportunity, obviously not. Um, some of them. Maybe could have, but as we know, it's not just about being in the right equipment. It's also in the right team with the right relationships in that team, and that's drivers, engineers, managers, everyone together. So, yeah, it's, it's just not, not right to be knocking um, Jamie's achievements, but at the same time, he does only have two arms and two legs like the rest of them, um, and for sure, he's beatable, and we're seeing that this year.
1: Mm. Eric, what were your thoughts?
5: Yeah, I do actually. I followed that little stout for a little bit. Um, it's a little bit of a dangerous thing when you've only won one title and you, poke, you know, you're poking the bear that's got five. And if there's one thing following this, the, this sport, I've noticed when Jamie sort of he does rise to the occasion. He's not one of these guys that sort of runs away and sits, sits in a tent somewhere. But um, it was quite interesting. Yeah, they've had great machinery. I mean, they've had management changes, as you know, Stefan touched on. So that might. There'll be a little bit of trying to work out getting things all organised there. There's been engineers being changed between drivers. And, you know, Jamie's there, you know, used to winning. And now, um, although Craig Lowndes had an appalling weekend, you know, he's actually been the fastest and the one picking up the most points in that Red Bull racing team. Um, But um, James Courtney's come good. And, you know, he has won before. But I I just think, you know, it adds a bit of colour. I don't know, is it manufactured? You know, are they really mates and they're just having to go at each other? But it's sometimes you just don't want to be poking the bear a bit. And like Stephens said, I mean, the thing is, Winkup really, in theory, doesn't have too much to prove in V8 supercar racing. Whereas James came and won that championship and then sort of had a pretty bad year last year. But he's starting to come good this year, so maybe he's got his gander up and his tail feathers are flying and he's thinking, bring it on. Mm. But it's a long, old
1: season. Certainly, uh, Courtney is... Uh is doing a remarkable job. When you look at Garth and Garth's results compared to James's, it's it's quite different, Stefan. And uh, importantly, uh, whenever you speak to James, he's sort of well, I don't know where he he's. I don't know how we're getting those results. Ie, I'm just carrying carrying this whole team at the moment. But we've got so much on the way. We are going to get quicker and quicker
3: yeah well the level of investment um, in that team at the moment is just extraordinary the money they're spending to uh increase the performance so I guess you could kind of applaud that uh, that attitude from uh from the Walkershaw family to do that um, yeah like James has been the pick of the litter for much of the going this year, but at the same time we we're talking before about consistency is the hard part um the cars are also so close technically that um a lot of people are able to uh, tune them up to, to get them there for one session or two sessions or whatever, but um, like James got a poll on the weekend and then I think 10 minutes later in the next session he was outside the top 10, so that's what they've got to uh, improve on. The encouraging thing in a way for Walk and Shores is that um, and Nick Percat and, and Tim Slade underlined it on the weekend that um, any of those four cars can be up there um, on any given day. Nick did a really good job across the weekend. Um, and Tim was on the front row for the last race and potentially had a crack at definitely uh, at least another podium there, if not for a mechanical drama. So, um, yeah, heavy investments uh, indicates uh, an upward trajectory for them uh, results-wise, I would think, towards the second half of the year.
1: Mm. Well, we need to wrap it up here, but I can't leave without uh, asking you both about this, uh, well, global phenomenon of Marcus Ambrose Throwing that right cross onto the eye of Casey Mears and Stefan uh, it's been getting such a fantastic run on every social media and media platform, and uh, it probably hasn't done his uh, personal reputation any any uh, any dints or divots at all
3: yeah well it's uh, certainly an unfortunate thing to be seeing um, that sort of violence is not uh, not a good look for any motor racing championship but um yeah, I mean, Come I mean, on. news-wise, obviously, uh, one NASCAR thrives
1: hard. on it. Their first ever live televised race. There was a full-on fist fight at the end of it. That's that's yeah, what NASCAR's well, all about, doesn't it? Just prove he's he he's there and he's one of the boys.
3: Well, these days NASCAR seem to, uh, uh, yeah, not mind a bit of a push and a shove and, and whatever. But the old uh, closed fist uh, punch may uh, incur a fair bit of wrath from uh, from the organisers there, but. Yeah, I'd said to Murph on Sunday night, well, that, that just overshadows any new story that I've dragged out of this weekend at Curry because this is uh, this is massive. So, um, yeah, we'll see what plays out NASCAR-wise um, in terms of sanctions over the next uh, probably 24 hours, I'd say.
1: Now, New Zealand's a pretty rough-and-ready place, Eric. Uh, how would it go <laughs> down harsh, over there?
5: Mate, it's a bit harsh.
1: <laughs> you yeah. guys are the guys that coined the phrase, bring back the best, if I remember correctly. <laughs> well how would it go down there if uh, we saw something like that in would we ever see something like that in new zealand motorsport
5: Uh, i think it goes on a lot in motorsport a lot i mean back in the days of formula one with you know prost and Senna and even um, irvine and all that there were fists and feet flying around but it's quite it seemed like the race itself what happened between the two of them i think they were fighting for 18th and 19th place so it wasn't as if there was a shitload of points on the you know, on the table to grab, and it seemed pretty innocuous, but um, it may, maybe Marcus just for a split second saw Greg Murphy's face superimposed on <laughs> Myers and just suddenly went, Rah! But, you know, he did get shoved to the sideway quite a bit, and he came out swinging, so I don't know whether it's pent-up frustration over the last two or three rounds, because Marcus sort of seems to be just about there on that cusp of actually being a regular top 15, top 10 finisher. And maybe Myers had said something, and but yeah, it all went off. But NASCAR sort of—they're quite weird. They sort of quite like that stuff for their ratings. But as Stefan said, probably landing the punch wasn't a good idea. You know, <laughs> if he'd swung and missed, they'd probably say, "Oh, come on, guys, sit down and a bit, bit of an apology." But I mean, that was quite a sweet little—you know—he he, he caught him. So, um, but I sort of think, you know, it's, it's, it's sportsmen—they're fired up and. Sort to me, it's not really you know sort of no real big fail, so no harm. But mm. I'll probably get into trouble for saying that, but there you go.
1: <laughs> well, of course, it's motor racing, it's motorsport. There's passion everywhere. We saw that at Winton, exactly. and of course we saw the New Zealand crowd getting very passionate because it was one of those situations. New Zealand are a huge Ford supporting country, so they loved seeing the Ford get up. They probably would have preferred to see a local, but it was still a a great weekend too, Eric.
5: Oh yes, mate! Very happy, 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 happy. The blue oval people, very chuffed and very happy, and and with McLaughlin and and you know two of the Kiwis doing well as you know with with McLaughlin and and uh, the Giz Van Gisbergen. So you know a really good weekend. But talking to some of the fans when I was wandering around uh, before the you know the feature race on Sunday, they were just pleased and chuffed that the weather was great. It was back at Pukekohe. The racing had been fantastic all through the field. Some of the Battle through the field were great. And you had people popping up all over the place, like Tim Stade popping it on pole, unfortunately. You know, you had a bit of a mechanical problem beforehand, and you never really knew to the last five or six laps who the hell was going to win.
1: You couldn't ask for anything better. Mm -hmm. And, Stefan, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Craig. Hope to see you at uh, Barbegallet. Yeah, we're looking forward to that one. And, Eric, uh, a pleasure to have you on the show for the first time, and I'm sure it won't be the last. Man, I'd love to. It
5: has been a great chat. Thanks, guys. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. The white, flag- for your
1: the white Flag Lap is up next here on The Vat Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the
2: action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage.
1: Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's Munro Shock Absorber's white flag lap, Scott McLaughlin talks about his weekend, which saw the Volvo driver taking more podiums and pole positions.
4: Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, um, it's been an amazing, um, amazing couple of days, and to have a couple of podiums, a couple of poles, was just exceptional. So, uh, moving to moving the have we just got to keep going.
1: How was the fan reaction over there? Because I know you did a lot of promotion as well as a lot of racing.
4: Yeah, it was absolutely nuts. Um, but it was something that uh, you know you feel really happy that you know. Uh, you know, you, you've you've touched a lot of people's hearts and, and obviously, they, they're they very happy to get a photo with you and, you know, it's, it's not, not a dull moment when someone asks you for a photo, but it's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I, I don't mind it at all.
1: And, of course, racing on Anzac Day, can you tell us what that was like?
4: Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I mean, um, obviously, the Australian New Zealand, um, uh, how could you say, the, 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 the rivalry's huge in sport and for us to come together and, obviously, it's doggy-doggy, especially on the racetrack. But for, for a moment, um, you know, it's, it's still, you know, to, to just come together and, and um, yeah, race together. And, and, and for a cause, it's awesome.
1: And, of course, uh, it was a long day because I know you went to the dorm service as well.
4: Yeah, I went to the um, stay-in dorm service. And uh, that was, you know, it was pretty cool because I'd never actually been to one before. So it was, it was definitely pretty interesting. But, um, you know, something that's... Uh, you know, you hold you hold close in your heart. I mean, we wouldn't be here without those guys, and um, very very happy to honour them.
1: And what about that race format? Because it was it was full on. Do you think that race format you could do at many other races?
4: Oh, I mean you could, um, but it's yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. You can't really try anything, and it's, it's hard. I mean, it's good for the fans, it's for track time, but at the end of the day, it's um, it's tough and the and, and and kind of dangerous sometimes. Cause, you need a chance to sort of sort your stuff out and with practice and that. But when you come out and do a short straight and qualify, no one's really found the limit, and that's when you see crashes happen.
1: Mm. Well, Scott, we look forward to seeing you over there in Perth, and congratulations, second place across the weekend, and uh, importantly, more great valuable points.
4: Yeah, exactly, and um, yeah, so keep pushing on.
1: Thank you. That's all we have time for this week as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now.
2: Join us next week for more V8
5: Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.